divided by war. In an effort to end the galactic conflict, the first ever sanctioned meeting between the Republic and the Separatists will be held, and Mandalore is chosen as neutral ground for these precarious meetings. Tensions run high, as many hold hope for these important negotiations. Bucketheads, Mayvar Tigar. Welcome to the 146th Bo-Katan debuting episode of Mandovision. Nargai Tom. And thank you so much for checking out this small, independent Star Wars podcast. Remember, the best way to reach out to us is, of course, via social media. Twitter, Instagram. You can find us at Mando underscore Vision. Reach out via email at MandovisionTom at gmail.com. Make sure you're liking, subscribing, following, and sharing this show. With all the other Mandalorians in your covert. How is everyone doing? Welcome back into another exciting installment of our Star Wars The Clone Wars Rewatch series. We're about the ha- a little beyond the halfway point of Season 4. And if all holds and we maintain our two episodes a week schedule, we will have the season completed just in time for the debut of Kenobi at the end of the month here in May. Which we're not even in May yet. I, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just, you know, if we are, if we stay on track, if we stay on target, stay on target, we will complete season four before Kenobi debuts, uh, which will be very, very exciting. Uh, we'll take a brief pause between the episodes while we're while we're watching Kenobi, while we're getting in all the all the news uh, that's coming out from Star Wars Celebration, and uh, yeah, it's gonna be. I think it should work out really, really well as far as that goes. So I'm excited. And, and no, please know that it is my intention to maintain the schedule uh, through May, so that we can get to that point and just keep on crushing it like the like the BA Mandos that we are, because that's what we do. All right, we, you know the buckets are on, and we're gonna kick some booty. As far as you know, getting shows out—that's all I meant by that statement. All right, uh, <laughs> enough of that. We're here for a big one. This is an exciting episode. I'm really keyed up to talk about this one. We've really been on a roll. This 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 season four has been spectacular overall. Uh, but you know, once we get to Krell, the the Krell arc with those four episodes, and we go into the Slaves of the Republic stuff, and and we get this one standalone episode, uh, and then like the the rest of the season is just a, a just mind blowingly awesome stuff coming up. We got a big four parter coming up after this episode drops. Uh, it's just season four is just off. Off the chain. Do the kids still say that? I don't know. 
I don't know what the kids say. They don't talk to me. They ignore me. I'm an old man who just wants to talk about Star Wars, and they have no time for me, and that's okay. Luckily, you nice, nice people who listen to this show do have time for me, and I appreciate that very, very much. But yeah, this is a big one. I'm super, super excited. We're here for Season 4, Episode 14, A Friend in Need. January 13th, 2012 is our original air date. The plot for this episode, Lux Bonteri disrupts a peace conference between Separatists and Republic representatives on Mandalore. Intent on safeguarding him, Ahsoka becomes involved in Lux's plan to take revenge on Count Dooku for his mother's death, a.k.a. murder. Murder most foul. And, you know, I, I went back because I couldn't quite remember um, when we were first. I knew what episode it was when, when, when we met Lux Bonteri and his mother, Mina Bonteri. It was, it was in the Friends on Both, or I'm sorry, Heroes on Both Sides episode. In my mind, that was longer ago than it was. It was actually just towards the beginning of season three. In my mind, though, I was like, oh, that's like a season two episode, isn't it? Like early in season two. No, no, no. Not so fast, my friends. It was only season three. So about, you know, about a year ago uh, is, is when we were first introduced to Mina Monteri, like a, a separatist who was genuine in her attempts to, to end the Clone Wars, come to terms with the Republic peacefully through negotiations and diplomacy. And Count Dooku had no time for that. End of her. Lux Monteri survives, and now he has uh, gathered some proof, or at least a very strong conviction, that Count Dooku was behind his mother's death. And it's time to expose Count Dooku. He has a plan. And his plan, well, let's just say it goes not according to plan. <laughs> it goes a bit awry, if you will. And, and we get to see, we get to catch back up with our friends in the Death Watch. We get the debut of Bo-Katan and the Night Owls. Uh, and I don't want to... I don't want to get too hung up on this. I think you guys all know sort of my, my point of view on Bo-Katan. Bo-Katan is a great character. But when we first meet her, she is a bad guy. I don't want to sugarcoat this stuff, okay? I, I, the, the, the sort of, um, I love the people that love Bo-Katan. I love Bo-Katan myself. But let's, let's be honest here. Let's, let's call the kettle black here on this, all right? Bad person in these episodes, going about things the wrong way. But Bo-Katan has to learn her lessons, and she learns them the, she learns them, uh, the hard way later on in, in this season, basically, as we get to know her better in her situation. But she is attempting to overthrow her sister. <laughs> Violently. <laughs> so, the, again, I don't, I don't say that to disparage Bo- Bo-Katan. I love the character Bo-Katan and, and the arc that she goes on, the journey that she goes on. Um, but, yes, yeah, she starts off in not a good place. And that we, I just want to be honest about that. I do not want to sugarcoat the Bo-Katan situation. And, and that's all I'm going to say about that, okay? Uh, what else do we have this, for this episode? Uh, directed by Dave Filoni himself. Uh, Dave gets his hands dirty in this one as he go, uh, goes behind the camera, if, if that's how it works for animation, which I don't think it is, but you know what I mean. And, and <clears throat> Excuse me, I got all, all, all excited there, a little choked up. So Dave's behind the camera directing it. And it's a, another, another great cri- uh, script from Christian Taylor. So yeah, really, really good stuff here. Uh, the voice cast, is, as always, is phenomenal. Ashley Eckstein as Ahsoka Tano. Jason uh, uh, Spisak as Lux Monteri. Jean Favreau returns as Pre Vizsla. So again, you're seeing, you're seeing Filoni and Favreau in the same room together. And you know, in the back of their heads, they're hatching the Mandalorian. They're thinking of Baby Yoda. They're thinking of Grogu. They're doing these things subconsciously. They were connecting. They were vibing. They were gelling all before the show even came, 10 years earlier. They just didn't know it yet. 
<laughs> Anyways, Corey Burton is the Battle Droid. Uh, excuse me, Battle Droid 513. He's Count Dooku and Backlawwise. Catherine Tabor is Tryla, Padme, Amidala, and Voatel. Phil Lamar is the Chieftain P uh, Pieter. Deathwatch Soldier number one. Katie Sackoff is Bo-Katan. Matthew Wood, the Battle Droids, Captain Taggart, and Deathwatch Soldier. Matt Lanter is Anakin Skywalker and Deathwatch Soldier number two. Anna Graves returns as Satine Kreez, and Tom Kane once again is our narrator. Uh, Jedi Fortune Cookie this week. Friendship shows us who we really are. And again, if you're going to explore the themes of friendship in this, we, you, you go back to that episode, you go back to Heroes on Both Sides, when a young Ahsoka meets a young Lux Bonteri, uh, and they sort of, um, you know, the, the beginnings of a friendship are formed in, a, in that episode, and, and this episode begins to expand upon that. Uh, because Ahsoka has to sort of curb her friend from making a horrible decision, uh, which he does. And, and you have to wonder if, I think by the end of the episode, Lux is sort of back on, on the side of being Ahsoka's friends, but he's so consumed with vengeance at the beginning of the episode that he's not taking Ahsoka's uh, words of wisdom very seriously at all. And, and so you have to sort of, have to, and we've all been there with our friends, right? Sometimes our friends doesn't, just don't listen to us, even though well, we are of sound mind. And, and maybe they're being a bit emotional. Or, you know, perhaps the roles have been reversed. I'm sure they've all been reversed for us at some point where we're the emotional one and our friends are trying to be like, hey, take a deep breath, take a step back. And then we don't do it and we get in a lot more trouble. And it's just like, why didn't you tell me to stop? I did. And, you know, it's a whole thing. That's how friendship works. It's nutty. It's nutty that way. Yeah, so... It's a really great episode. It, it, it's the last standalone episode for the season. Uh, it might even be for the series. Now that I'm thinking about it, because there's a lot of arcs in season five too. But I'm not gonna. I'm, don't hold me to that. Don't hold me to that one just yet. But yeah, good stuff. A really solid episode. Though what's interesting about the episode is it sort of ends uh, with with not like a cliffhanger, but with a, with a lot of loose ends in it. Uh, and we don't really get into like those loose ends uh, until the, the 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 lost missions that are that that consist of of a season six of Star Wars: The Clone Wars. Uh, so we, we we will have to wait a little while to see how the how these things pay out. Um, and that's okay. That's what this podcast is for. We're going to be here to see those things paid out. But yeah, there's a bit of a gap between how this this situation with Lux and the Death Watch how it resolves and where it picks up later on down the road. We got a little bit of a gap there, but that's okay. We're we're gonna get there. Uh, one other thing I want to mention real quick before we get into the into the episode, uh, we get to see the sort of the the, the sort of um, the peaceful side of the separatists, right? Like this 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 uh, separatist senate or congress that they've they've assembled. That uh, th these are the people that we I sort of refer. I think I referenced them uh, in last week's episode of the of the show. You know, they're the ones who sort of bought the lie that Dooku was selling, you know, they're like, hey, we got to leave the Republic because their corruption is going to consume all, and we need to get out of this before it consumes us with it. And so these people that we see assembled here, uh, you know, facing against Mon Mothma and Bail Organa and Padme Amidala are, are you know, believers in, in, in the fairy tale that Dooku has spun about the Separatists. And we have two characters... Um, that we have seen in the Separatists before. Uh, we see Voatel, who's the, the, the green-skinned female who speaks in this episode. Now, we don't get to know her species, actually, so I went to look this up because I was very curious. And uh, other than this episode, uh, we don't really see her... Um, 
other than, excuse me, she's in Heroes on Both Sides, but this is her last appearance. And her people are not really ever seen again either. So we don't know the name of her species or, or even much of their planet. I don't think we even know their planet's name. We just know that she is Voatel. And that's that. And then the other character that we see in, in here is, is a, a, is a Cinetine, uh And he's the, the, the fancy looking gentleman in the middle who has like the weird uh, cap around his brain pan. <laughs> a little brain hat. I don't know what else to call him. <laughs> but we've seen him before as well. And we'll see him one more time. Uh, I think in season five we'll see beck Lawwise once again and again these are the heroes on both sides these are the good people of the separatists right these are the people who think they're doing the right thing for their planet and for their people and they're attempting to have a diplomatic solution but lux monterry's gonna break in there and uh he's, he's gonna drop some knowledge and again the separatists don't want to believe it they believe the lies that dooku's told them uh so lux monterry's accusations do not go over well and that's basically how we start this episode. So we might as well get into it. I've been rambling long enough. Let's just dive in. It's that time. Strap on your buckets. Let's go. I stand before you, son of Mina Bonteri, loyal separatist, a patriot, a friend. It has come to my attention that my mother was murdered by Count Dooku in cold blood. That is a lie! Remove this traitor immediately! I will not be silenced! Stop this! We would ask you to respect that we deal with this matter ourselves. No! Dooku is deceiving you! You will all be betrayed, just like my mother! What's so interesting to me about that opening sequence is... You know, you sort of wonder about the lies that Dooku has told the Separatist Senate about Mina Bonteri's death. And, and if memory serves, they, they sort of declare her a traitor, like kind of sort of a collaborating with the Republic uh, to do things. Underhanded, dirty dealing, right? Uh, so obviously Bonteri's name is sort of smeared at this point. So when Lux shows up, they have no interest in hearing what he has to say, which is why they want to deal with this matter internally and not have the Republic or their host... Uh, uh, Satine Kreese sort of step in and get involved here in the situation. They want to handle it internally. Let the Count deal with it, right? Because Count Duke is calling the shots as we all know here. But before Terry gives his speech is the sort of interesting knowing uh, looks ex- exchanged between Lux and Ahsoka Tano. And you sort of wonder if there's more than just a friendship there. But it's sort of like the unrequited kind. Uh, you know, Ahsoka Tano very much a Jedi and, and faithful to the order, and and we've not really seen her on the path of following her motions uh, to to a, a affectionate relationship in in that regard. And she's uh, not doing the thing that Anakin has done secretly with, without no one noticing. And uh, it's it's again, I just like, sort of like the quiet moment between the two characters as they sort of reconnect, uh, just with a glance at each other, and and sort of. Uh, Again, those feelings for Ahsoka that are probably beneath the surface, but that she does her best to uh, not react to, sort of bubble up. And, you know, Lex is obviously happy. Lux, excuse me, Lux is very obviously happy to see Ahsoka. So that's uh, the interesting part of, of that opening exchange, in my opinion. Uh, it, as Lux is taken out of the room here, this is when I'm a Pad- Padme sends Ahsoka to make sure that he's going to be okay and keep an eye on things. And that's all part of Lux's plan, as we will soon find out. Those are some rather strong accusations you have levied against me. You know what you did, Dooku. 
I? I have done a lot of things, young man, and choose to remember them in order of importance. The death of your mother seems to have escaped me. I will have my revenge. I think it is time we reacquaint the young senator with his mother. Kill him. Ahsoka? Lux, I think it's time to go, don't you? So Padme sends Ahsoka out, and, and she uses the words discreetly, right? Which leads to some of my favorite stuff, because I love it when Ahsoka is discreet, because we get some splinter cell level sneaking going on in the show. I love uh, seeing Jedi be stealthy, and Ahsoka's really, really good at it. And, and we get to see that in this episode as she sneaks around to be undetected. And then, again, to go along with the discreet part, when she has to bust into the ship to save Lux, uh, you know, she can't just break out her lightsaber and, and, and give away that a Jedi was involved in in killing these Separatist droids. No, no, no. We have to stay, you know, mysterious about it, vague. So, uh, you know, a couple of force pushes and some, you know, force-enabled kicks to the head of these droids uh, render them inert and inoperable. And I, like I said, I like it when the Jedi have to be stealthy. It's kind of fun. So Soka's gotten Lex off the Separatist ship, but she can't just, you know, Lex, Lex is now in danger. Dooku is given the order to kill, which I think would be um, that. Would, in my opinion, getting Lux recording that would have been a, a, a good move there, ordering the death of Lux Monteri, and then being like, "Hey, look, your hero, your your role model, Count Dooku, just ordered my death." Um, that's a bad thing. But Lux has another plan here. But they have to escape from Mandalore first. So Ahsoka leads Lux to a shuttle. They get some cover from some Mandalorian guards, and and they're gonna make their break with R two and head. Out. Let's hear from Lux as he's going to give us the breakdown now on his grand scheme. Bring Von Terry to Coruscant immediately and we'll discuss giving him amnesty. Yes, Master. I can't go with you, Ahsoka. What? I told you I have a plan. <laughs> Shooting me is not going to be part of it. What are you doing with a gun anyhow? You're not a fighter. I'm no longer a Separatist either. I won't join the Republic. What other options do you have? There is a different way. I understand everything that you've been through. I understand you feel alone. But the Republic will help you. Like they helped my mother? I've already made contact with a group on Karlak who are noble and are allied with my cause. And what cause is that? To kill Dooku. The only one you're going to get killed is yourself. I'm sorry. But I'm taking you to Coruscant. Your plan hasn't exactly been well thought out, Lux. Without me, how did you think you were going to escape those droids? Like this. And that's when Lux tases uh, <laughs> Ahsoka. And uh, he's going to go to Korlak and meet with these noble, these noble warriors that he's found that are allied with him and his, his way of thinking on this certain particular topic, if you will. Let's talk a little bit about Karlak. This is our first time seeing it. It's a visually beautiful planet. Uh, we get a lot of snow on the ground, but a lot of colors underneath that snow. There's this wonderful play between uh, red and white with the snow and the, and, the, and the foliage there on the planet. Really, really neat looking. Um, one of the only times we get to see Karlak, uh, I think it's the only time, canonically speaking, that it's shown up. It's mentioned and some other things, but this is our only time really seeing it. Uh, it's made a recent appearance in the High Republic series uh, as, as the place of a, of, of a Nihil battle. 
And uh, so I, I was like, when I, when I read that, I was like, oh, Carlac. I think I just watched an episode of Star Wars with them in there. So that was that was sort of a funny uh, little coincidence. There have been a lot of really little interesting coincidences as I have been going through Star Wars, The Clone Wars, and I'm reading the High Republic books. There are sort of some callbacks to places and locales uh, in the High Republic stuff that is like, oh, I just watched that episode. That's so, such weird timing. Um, and again, one of the joys of the, the sort of symmetry of Star Wars, if you will. Uh, let's go ahead and and uh, check in. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the Ming Po, I, I should mention, are the people that inhabit the planet Karlak. If there's other species or, or uh, beings there, we are unaware of them at this point. Um, but the Ming Po are the people that we spend time with. That's the culture that we sort of uh, get acquainted with via the captives of the Night Watch, or excuse me, the Death Watch. And, and um, yeah, well, let's go ahead and check back in with our, with our show as... Uh, Lux is out on Carlac on the surface waiting for his meat. Ahsoka's going to go out there and be like, what the heck is going on here? And uh, she's going to be quite surprised when a group of Mandalorians descends upon them. Lux! Lux, where are we and what did you do with my lightsabers? You should have stayed on the ship. And that would be the great Bo-Katan Kreese. And again, we'll, t- we'll talk more about Bo-Katan later. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pa- put a pin in that. Death Watch. And so, yeah, there you go. <laughs> so good, drops it. She recognizes these, these guys real quick and is not happy with the people that let Lux has decided to ally himself with in this scenario. Uh, meanwhile, R2's back on the ship. He's going to be finding... Uh, the lightsabers. He's going to go out there and try to take them to Ahsoka because he's like, hey, look, I found these cool lightsabers. Uh, but Ahsoka has to call an audible real, real quick, has him tuck those away for safekeeping uh, as she cannot let on that she is a Jedi Knight in this scenario uh, and, and has to kind of see what danger Lux Bonteri has put himself in in this, this what she sees as this disastrous alliance with Death Watch. You get us what we need? Yes, I have the information with me. Who's this? I'm his... I'm his... Betrothed. Uh, right. Right. Betrothed. Little skinny, isn't she? <gasps> oh, I'm she going. serves a purpose. We leave now. The snow is coming. What have you gotten us into? It's all under control. These are the Death Watch. They're Mandalorian terrorists. They'll kill us both. You coming? Yes. Uh, I should stay with the ship. No, you're coming too. So they pick up R2-D2, <laughs> which is pretty funny, to take him with them, and Ahsoka will join the group as well. Uh, I did like that little moment with... with uh, with Bo-Katan sort of sizing up Ahsoka, calling her a little skinny, then patting her on the rump. Inappropriate. You just don't do that these days. That is not cool. But uh, Ahsoka's reaction to that move in particular was a very telling, very Ahsoka reaction as she wanted to go to, to, go to fisticuffs right away. And <laughs> But obviously you can't, you can't blow your cover when you just started your cover. So Ahsoka's going to try and, and uh, lay low, play it, play it down, uh, play it uh, low-key. And see what the heck's going on. What is the Death Watch up to? 
And then how can she stop them? She knows who they are. She's not fooled by this idea that they're all of a sudden doing something noble uh, to, to, for, to, to help Lux Monteri. There's something in it for them. And she wants to figure out what exactly that is. So as they're rolling into this Death Watch encampment, uh, what we get to see is sort of like this, this interesting uh, B story in, in the episode uh, as we're watching the Death Watch uh, soldiers just sort of again, torture, basically. Uh, you know, they're toying with, they're blasting, they're making these, these droids dance for their lives. And, and, and you know, we've, we've touched on the topic very briefly uh, on previous episodes of, of Mandavision, but the droid life in Star Wars is, is very different than, than the way androids are depicted in, in a lot of other science fiction medias. Uh, and, and, you know, we are of the opinion that droid life is, is just as sacred as other life forms in, in Star Wars. Uh, so R2 sees this, and he's very concerned. I think, I think we're supposed to think he's very concerned for himself initially. Uh, but I think at the same time, in a, in a more uh, grandiose sense, he doesn't like what he's seeing happening to these droids for their sake as well. And that'll be, you know, the B part of the storyline is the Death Watch is going to put R2 to work repairing these droids so that the Death Watch can blast them again and, and sort of torture them and, and, and uh, just be cruel to these, to these droid life forms. Uh, what ends up happening is that R2 is able to sort of gather and rally these droids when the time comes to strike out against the Death Watch. And all of a sudden there's an army of droids. Not, and again, not, these aren't battle droids. These are like mostly like, you know, droids that serve some sort of uh, a service function. At, you know, they're not combat trained or anything like that. Uh, these are these are practical droids, if you will. And and but they're going to put themselves to a good use at getting back at the Mandalorians, getting back at Death Watch later on in the episode. So a really interesting B story that we on the Mandavision podcast support quite a bit because again, droid life is sacred. <laughs> but let's go ahead and catch up with the A storyline as as. Uh, Lux and Ahsoka arrive, and they're about to meet the uh, their maybe not so generous and gracious host, which surprise surprise will be the return of Pre Vizsla, and uh, he's um he's he's I think Pre Vizsla's gone off the deep end. I think he's starting to lose his marbles <laughs> in this particular episode. Uh, he is uh, much more like the the cruel and 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 um, I, I guess I'll just go with cruel. It's sort of like warlord at this point. Like he has no respect. For the local village, and he has no respect for its people. Uh, they take the, the women and the children, and they kind of make them their servants here. Uh, this has a lot of echoes of Kurosawa as well. This is this is this is Seven Samurai. This is uh, this is Shogun. This is all those, not Shogun. Um, <laughs> but th- this is classic samurai stuff, right? We're, we're going back to those elements and seeing the those elements. You know, a lot of the Jedi elements are obviously very samurai adjacent right but to see it sort of applied to a lot of the mandalorian stories as, as well makes a lot of sense like the warlords the warlike nature of the mandalorian people there's a, there is a, a lot of, of room to play in that sandbox and i really like that they do that and they kind of start to hint at it with this episode and again directed by filoni so you know it's not by not by happenstance uh, so let's go ahead and check out the meeting here as they as pre makes his return the boss will see you in there Don't ruin my plan, okay? Plan? What plan? This is a holotrace device. It can identify the origin of any holotransmission. I knew if I accused Dooku of murder, I would be brought to face him. Well, it worked. 
And I now know Dooku's exact location. If Death Watch moves quick enough, we can destroy him. Is that enough of a plan for you? This is not some idealistic political group. They will take the information and kill you. I knew you wouldn't understand. The Death Watch are murderers, sworn to destroy Jedi. You don't know what you're doing. This... Am I interrupting something? Uh, no, uh, of course not. We were just... Um... Alright, uh, I'll pause it real quick here as, as Vizsla makes his approach now, and you'll notice the changes to his Mandalorian helmet. Uh, more of a horn-like kind of crown that he has. Not the evocative of the, of the Darth Maul stuff to come uh, with, the, with the Mandalorians who side with Maul, but just, again, sort of like a power move that he's, he's you know, making some sort of ceremonial orient or, or ornamentation for, for his helmet. Uh, a very different look than when we saw him last. It's time to talk business. Tell your woman to leave us. Of course. Now, give me what I want. When I know that you will use it correctly. Don't toy with me, boy. You see this scar? It was a parting gift from Count Dooku. If you question my resolve to destroy him again, I will give you one just like it. This device will tell you his location. Good. That was painless, wasn't it? Now let's celebrate! So, Vizsla's gotten the information that he wants. The Death Watch has what they want from Bonteri now. Uh, also, after that sequence is when R2's taken to the tent with the broken down droids. And I think there were a couple battle droids in there, but they are battle droids no more. They actually say that during that sequence. Uh, but there's a lot of like load lifters in there and, and, and droids that serve a, um, a other functions than combat. So, <laughs> again, not exactly the most cunning and, and, and uh, militaristic army R2 will ever assemble in his time. But... He's in the, and they're begging him to repair them, which is, you know, reassemble them. And it's, uh, again, I, I find that stuff really, uh, it, it, it affects me in a way because, again, droid life is sacred life, at least on this damn podcast. And <laughs> so now we get Bo-Katan taking Ahsoka, throwing her into a tent with the, the Ming-Pao people, the, the ones that have been taken from the village to forced into servitude to the Death Watch. And again... Bo-Katan, if, if she's uh, the, the noble hero that a lot of people seem to claim she is, you would think she'd be kind of against this. But, again, Bo's on the wrong path at this point in her journey, and she hasn't quite recognized that just yet. So let's check in with Ahsoka as she's getting the, lo the lowdown on the local village and what the Death Watch has been doing here. You don't want to make them angry. They are far from rational. <laughs> Believe me, you have no idea. What's your name? Trila. I'm Ahsoka. Where are you from? We were kidnapped from a nearby town. We are a simple people. We trust easily. And we were betrayed. We feast. Prepare the food. Your masters are hungry. So there you go. Again, leaning into, the, into that classic... You know, I, I refer to the, the the Japanese cinema, but I mean, you can you've seen this in in many films, you know, westerns and and the like. You, you see this. It, it's a it's such a classic situation that it's become a trope in in a sense. And, and and we all know this one. We've seen it a dozen times in a dozen different stories. But it's all inspired by the same stuff. But it's fun to see it played out in Star Wars. 
Uh, now the chieftain of the Ming Pao is going to come, and he wants Vizla out. He's sick of this. He's tired of them, and he's trying to stand up to them. And, and listen to the way Vizla talks to them, and, and, and tell me if you're still on Death Watch side about things. Chieftain Piter, I don't remember summoning you. You have taken our women, stolen our food, and threatened us for too long. Brave for you to come here with such bold words. You are no longer welcome here. Well, if our presence here isn't welcome, we'll make ready to leave. And you'll return our people to us? Yes. Sunrise tomorrow. You have my word. Very well. We'll be waiting. <laughs> See, they're not the butchers you make them out to be. Ahsoka is not buying that at all. Let's go to the village the next morning at sunrise here and see exactly how Vizsla is just going to hand over everybody and, and walk away peacefully from the Ming Pao people. You have kept your word. We are very grateful for your understanding. And what you're hearing now is more Mandalorians descending around the village in strategic places in a very threatening manner. This is not friendly at all. Ahsoka is bearing witness, and she knows bad things are about to happen. I am a man of my word. Here is your granddaughter. As promised. And that is the sound of the Darksaber going through Trila's back and being killed in front of her grandfather. Kill them! Kill them all! Now Ahsoka's had enough. She's springing into action. But yeah, the sound you're hearing is, is Death Watch uh, incinerating the village here, using their flamethrowers and burning everything to the ground. Uh, Bo-Katan Kree's doing the same. Not She's part of this as well. Do not, again, she's on the wrong path at this point. And that's where I want to keep this, all right? Let's, let's not... Let's, let's not... <laughs> Bo-Katan, great character. On the wrong path right now. That's where I will keep this, okay? On the wrong path, doing the wrong things. And Ahsoka's going to spring into action. Now, the only sort of question I have about the sequence is, is, is Ahsoka doesn't reveal to Twyla that she's a Jedi. But apparently Twyla has some sort of innate sense that Ahsoka is more than she leads on. So she asks her to save these people. And Ahsoka, as a Jedi, is not going to sit around and just, and just watch this village get burned without doing anything. Uh, so she springs into action knowing she's very badly outnumbered. Uh, but she's going to take down a few Death Watch members before before they take her down. But luckily, someone is going to swing in to save the day. 
lot of grappling cables on Ahsoka here. Now what do we have here? I think we've caught ourselves a Jedi! Drag her back to camp. My mistake, I forgot they drag her back to camp first. <laughs> but this is when a, a, a trusty friend will come in and save the day. Rescue your friends. How? I compute. I will prepare the others. So as R2 is moving into position, here's also remember key to remember that R2 still has Ahsoka's lightsabers. Keep that in mind because they're about to come in very, very handy. And again, R2 is getting in position here, and he's sort of bearing witness now to what's happening in the tent uh, with, with Ahsoka still wrapped up in the grappling cables and, and Vizsla not happy. Al Lux Bonteri, this does not look good. This does not look good at all. I asked you to join us in good faith, and you bring a Jedi into our camp. She wasn't meant to be here. Please, let her go. I'm afraid that's not an option. I believed you had honor. But you're just murderers. No better than Dooku. You call us murderers. And yet it was your own lust for revenge that made you seek us out. I wanted justice for my mother's death. And you shall have it. But the Jedi are no different from Dooku, and this one shall pay in part for their crimes against Mandalore. So you see, it's not murder at all. It's like you say. It's justice! Are two spraying clouds. Smoke. Thanks, buddy. Lightsaber in hand. And that sweet move. Right there by Ahsoka Tano, just decapitating, was it four or five Mandalorians? <laughs> it was freaking sweet. That was a good one. And it's go time. Stop! The Jedi is mine. Lux, get to the ship. Vizsla pretty handy in the combat. Looks like he's learned a thing or two since he squared off against Obi-Wan Kenobi back in the day. Uh, but Ahsoka's about to get some backup, and here they come. I guess Archie made some friends. Alright, so it's a pretty intense action sequence. I'm not going to just make you listen to all the uh, exploding noises. Uh, but yeah, the droids are doing okay, but the Mandalorians are getting the upper hand eventually on them. You know, they do have the jetpacks. So the, the droids are sacrificing themselves nobly to allow Ahsoka, R2, and Lux Monteri to make their escape. Uh, but it's a pretty cool sequence to see these, these droids kind of stepping up and, and trying to exact some measure of, of uh, payback against the ones who've been tormenting them for so, so long. So you get a really great sequence here. Uh, at the camp still with, with Vizsla 
and Ahsoka when Ahsoka clips his his backpack or his backpack his jetpack and makes it go explode explode, uh, the rendering him out of the battle. But again, the, this is all just kind of a covering action, right? Uh, because the plan is that Lux is heading back to the ship. They're going to be on a, on, a, on a speeder heading back to the ship, and and they're trying to get make their getaway with Death Watch in hot pursuit. And we get a really great chase sequence with them on the speeder, Ahsoka on the back of it with her lightsabers out, fending off uh, shots from Bo-Katan and the other members of Death Watch. Uh, and a, again, a lot of good up-close moments with Bo-Katan as, as we get to know, to become more familiar with the, with the visuals of that character. Again, she doesn't come off out of helmet in this one. We don't see underneath the helmet yet with her because uh, apparently the word is that her designs were not completed uh, prior to this episode, so they kept her in the helmet the whole time. But we become very familiar with that Night Owl visage of hers on the Mandalorian helmet. Uh, so that when we see her again, we're like, oh, hey, there's there's that character. And I don't even think they dropped the name Bo-Katan in the episode necessarily. Uh, it's just there on, you know, on uh, on on the credits, basically, as, as Katie Sackhoff is Bo-Katan. And, and so this way, we're much like when we first saw Boba Fett back in 1980, we're just intrigued by the visual of the character. And so next time we see them, we're like, oh, let's, let's learn more about this character, this member who we saw with Nightwatch. But it's a great, again, a great chase sequence, a lot of fun stuff in there. But our heroes are going to make their escape. They are going to leave Korlak and the Death Watch behind. So let's go ahead and catch up with them as they are on the ship, leaving orbit now. No one followed us. Good job, R2. What do you mean the escape pod has been activated? Lux, R2. The ship is yours. Lux! Lux, what are you doing? I can't go with you, Ahsoka. You... you know that. But... but we can try. Uh, try to change things... together. We make a pretty good team, don't we? Don't worry. We'll meet again. I promise. Be careful, Lux. And a nice touching moment there with their hands on the glass as, as Lux goes into the, the escape pod. Ahsoka looks back. And then fanfare. Um... Just a killer episode. It's a really, a really good, fantastic one. So, so good. So, so strong. And it's, it's got all the things that we love so much about, about, about Star Wars, The Clone Wars, about Ahsoka, and about Dave Filoni-directed episodes of the show. Uh, the, this leans so heavily into the mythology that has been uh, expanded upon so much in recent years with, with The Mandalorian coming onto Disney+, and, and kind of getting back into, into these sort of connections to the roots of Star Wars, the inspiration of Star Wars with the samurai culture, the Kurosawa films. Uh, you know, even even a little bit touch of the Western elements, you know, they're all kind of in this episode, you know, it's sort of, it's almost like a Genesis episode uh, in, a, in a lot of ways for what's to come with the Mandalorian as, as we're seeing these things kind of come together. Uh, again, we'll get more stuff about them from the dark, about the Darksabers later on down the road, basically in Rebels. Uh, so we won't talk too much about that, but it's nice to see the Darksaber make another appearance, still in the, in the possession of, of Vizsla. And, and not, not for the last time will we see the Darksaber in this show. Uh, but just a really great episode. I love this one. It's it's nine buckets for me. It, it's a really great, beautiful episode in, in so many ways. It's very pretty visually. But I love the A storyline with, with Ahsoka and Lux and the Death Watch. And I'm a big fan of the B storyline too. Anything uh, 
where we're talking about about droids and the, them being treated as as more than disposable assets you know that's really a nice element that i like to have in my star wars and so i'm really glad that they're spending time doing that it's a really great great element to it so a killer episode and i'm so so glad we were able to watch it together uh and and i can't wait because this is sort of like the, the last moment the last episode we're gonna get to kind of catch our breaths you know like i said earlier this episode like we don't pick up on the pieces here of of lex giving that 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 hollow tracker to pre Vizsla for for quite some time like we're not going to see the payout of that i think until i think it was until uh, season six the 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 aborted the lost missions whatever you want to call them uh that you know that shortened season when disney originally canceled the show so we, we we you know we're sort of left hanging from that element for a little bit there'll be some loose threads that won't get tied for a little while but again just a really really solid episode of the show and, and sort of like the last minute we had to kind of catch our breath uh, because we go to a huge four-parter after this. Just a massive, massive four-parter uh, that I cannot wait to get into. And then, I mean, you know what's coming after that as, as we're really setting the stage for some, some massive Star Wars stuff. You know, we're going back to Dathomir. We're going back to Savage Opress. We're going back to Maul. And it's going to be... It's kind of like the countdown's begun, right? Like everyone knows what's coming. If you know the show, you know what we're working in, and it's all leading. All roads lead to Mall, and it's going to be a great time to get there. So I'm so glad you are here with me on the journey, on the rediscovery path, on the rewatch path for Star Wars: The Clone Wars. And old listeners who've been here since day one, thank you, thank you, thank you. And new listeners, I hope you're having fun and you're going to stick around because we got so many awesome episodes to come up coming up to talk about it's just gonna be super super rad remember follow us on social media give us give us that follow at uh, at mando underscore vision on twitter and instagram it's an easy great way to engage with me if you if you want to uh, reach out for long form emails it can be directed to mandovisiontom at gmail.com make sure you're liking subscribing following and sharing this show with all the mandalorians in your covert if you want to support the show in another way, a great way to do so is a five-star review because those are so insanely helpful as we still attempt our, our struggle to defeat the algorithm and, and the tyranny of it because we hate it. Hate that algorithm. Gosh darn it. It's no good. <laughs> I want to thank the biggest supporters of the show, which you can become if you want to. You can become a man of it. Oh, slow down, Tom. Slow down. You can become a man division maniac over at patreon.com forward slash man division. You can join your fellow maniacs, and gain access to sweet, sweet, sweet bonus content. Thank you to our current Patreons, the Aspenil Chody, the Batman Abejo, Jeff Nail, Jeff co-hosting The Ring and Air, a great music podcast. Check them out. Thanks to Evil Circle, the evilest of all circles, the Squidmaster General, Mr. Brian Broussard, the New Jersey Devil, Mark Wegemer, our very own Joker and Harley Quinn, Brian and Krista of Pride Brewing Company here in San Diego, California, and Baltimore, Maryland. And of course, the Beer Heart Brigadier General, Jesus Beer Hops, as well as the silent assassin, he who should not be named, and Syndicate Ram, co-host of Come On. It's still good. So by the time you hear this episode, up on the Patreon page will be uh, early access to our May the 4th special episode. Can't wait to, just to share that with everybody. We're going back. We're going into, we're going to talk about one of what's become one of my favorite movies. Uh, and, and at first, it was not one of my favorite movies. I had, a, I had some issues with the flick the first time I saw it. But now I love it. And... And I am a, I am a strong supporting member of the uh, Make Solo to Happen movement on, on Twitter because I freaking adore this movie nowadays. Uh, so that's what we're talking about for our May the 4th special. And that will be up on the Patreon early. 
So you'll have early access if, if, if you want to do that. If not, it's going to drop on May the 4th. You're going to get the show no matter what. But those, those Mandavision Maniacs are going to get early access to it. All right. Uh, that being said, I think we're going to close up shop. We will be back extremely soon with another episode of Star Wars The Clone Wars Rewatch, whatever day of the week it is. And we can't wait to talk to you then, all right? Uh, remember, this podcast can only end one way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. This is the way. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession.